The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. Round two today. Bob Reed is here, principal at BroadwayStrategy.com, the man behind the very popular segment Touchdowns and Fumbles, which you can hear Fridays on the Jerry Yeager Show. Tamara Cherry is back. I actually got to see you in person for like the first time in I don't know how long. uh, In like literally since March 2020, John. Oh my God. Well, it was fun (laughs) to see you this week, and I can't wait to share the conversation that we had um, about your book because it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, a remarkable book. It's called The Trauma Beat. And just to give people the broad strokes, it's about how journalists cover trauma. And in order to prepare it, uh, Tamara talked with victims and with journalists about these incredible and awful and awkward and upsetting encounters that uh, people have in the time, probably their worst time, and uh, mm-hmm. you know how we can make that work better. Uh, listen, let's talk about the day's big stories, and the biggest is the chief of staff for the housing minister, was ousted yesterday or just decided to resign. We don't know the exact circumstances, but Bob Reed, you've done work at Queens Park. Um, Resignations are fairly rare and always fairly dramatic. They are, but uh, in this case, my question is, what took so long and why now? And uh, I want to bracket that by saying he's the individual involved here isn't necessarily guilty of anything, but there are a lot of arrows pointing at him, specifically from the Auditor General's report. And, you know, in my day, John, uh, if... If, if there was a scandal that you were attached to, if something blew up despite your best uh, intentions and, and best conduct, if you were in the crosshairs, you submitted your resignation. You went to uh, the, the minister you work for, or uh, in, in my case, the premier, and you said, you, you, you put that offer on the table. I will resign if this will be helpful because I am very clearly attached to this and I'm willing to do that. Now, maybe he did this at the outset. We don't know, but I'm, I'm puzzled that it took so long and, and that it's happening now so long after the fact because uh, an, another maxim in crisis communication, which I continue to do for my clients, uh, the, the rule of thumb is, where's this thing going to go ultimately? Let's go there now. Let's get there right now and stop the bleeding. And so, again, I'm, I'm surprised that this development, not that it's happening, but that it's happening now, puzzles me. Yeah, and Bob Reed makes a really interesting point, Tamara, that uh, quite frequently I know firsthand that there have been cabinet ministers, for example, not necessarily with this government, but they take their letter of resignation to the prime minister or or the premier, and the prime minister or the premier says no, but at least they offered it. Yeah, I mean, if if that didn't happen in this case, then I think what Bob is trying to say is kids these days, kids these days, <laughs> they just don't operate like we we used to on uh, the good days <laughs> gone by. But I, I totally agree with Bob, like when it comes to crisis communication, say it all and say it fast and then let the story be behind you. So either this chief of staff said that he would go and the government of today said um actually no we need to hold on to you just a little while longer so we can distract from something else i don't know maybe that's what happened 
Or maybe it is just, I, it is something, it is very weird because this is the only thing surprising about this is that it's taken so long. And it, in my view that the, uh, the person that he was working for has not gone the same way because I think that is inevitable. I don't know why the government would want to stretch this out needlessly unless they know that there is potentially so much more to come with the integrity commissioner's report, which we have yet to see and potential criminal investigation. Right. Well, let's stick with you for a second, Tamara, on this. And the OPP saying this morning that it actually sent the investigation, we don't know when, off to the RCMP. You know, that was carried as breaking news because it's interesting, but it's really just a change of, it's not the same thing as like this morning, this guy was indicted. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Commissioner Tom Kareek was very happy to shuffle it off to the RCMP and he had every reason to. I don't think that this is as flashy of a news headline as some others might. Um, There is so much space for perceived conflict of interest here, not to say that the OPP wouldn't do a stellar investigation that did not include um, any bias, but um, it, it should be passed on to the RCMP because the Premier of Ontario does appoint the OPP commissioner. And this is exactly the sort of thing with the divisive politics that we have right now, that if um, there isn't any criminal wrongdoing found, then there would be fingers pointing. And if there is criminal wrongdoing found, then there would be fingers pointed at the OPP. So it's better to to move it on to the RCMP for sure. Yeah, I always take a wait and see approach, Bob Reed, because I'll never forget some people were always harping on there are three separate police investigations into Kathleen Wynne. Okay, and one of them led to something. Yeah, uh, there's there's nothing to see here. This is this is smart. This is appropriate that it it go it gets handed off to another jurisdiction. We see this very frequently with uh, with police services where if if there is any possible. Uh, optical perception of bias, give it to another department, let them look at it. So the finance minister at the federal level, also the deputy prime minister, may be a lead foot. Seems that she got a speeding ticket, Tamara Cherry. I'm not trying to acquit her, but I mean, she was ticketed for doing 132, possibly in 110 zone. And most of us have done that. And I get it. I get it. Everyone's going to refer to my speeding tickets. So maybe I'm not the guy who should weigh in on this. I I totally agree with you, John. And I think we don't, she doesn't even need you to acquit her. It's not like she's fighting this. She's paid her ticket. She's done what any, you know, good, otherwise law abiding driver would do. Just pay it, get it behind you. That's that. The, the, the story that you shared today um, was in my mind, like ridiculous. Some of the criticism that is being thrown at her, like, oh, this is coming just after she said that she doesn't even own a car. Okay, so she can't drive a rental car. And even the, oh, why doesn't she have a driver driving her around? Like, is that a rule? Does she have to have a drive? Like, it is It is the most absurd thing. As somebody who lives in the prairies, who happens to be in Toronto right now, um, yeah, a lot of people drive that fast. And sometimes they get ticketed. And it doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. She shouldn't be driving that fast, but she got the ticket. Should she be coming out and publicly addressing it? No. This is not, this has, in my view, has nothing to do with her job, with her responsibilities. Let's put it behind us. Yeah, and apparently, not that this really uh, informs the story that much, but Bob Reed, it was a uh, police officer who decided to leak it to um, media that was not very sympathetic to the federal liberals. 
Yeah, you, you got to consider the source and the and and the um, uh, the you know <laughs> how 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 it is we're all talking about this on the radio <laughs> this morning. So you're you're entirely right on that. I got to say this though. Christian Freeland has bugged me on, on on a number of fronts on things she's done. When I saw this, I kind of thought, okay, yeah. She, <laughs> cabinet ministers, they're just like us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I always like a good lifestyle story. And uh, one of the ones we talked about with our NBC correspondent this morning was how the footprint of houses is getting smaller in the U.S. And I have to imagine here as well. And for the most part, it's a cost-cutting effort. But it's also because young people just, they don't live high off the hog. They don't own cars. They have, um, you know, a very strong strict wardrobe. So Bob Reed, any any impressions taken away from this? No, I, I think it's exactly what you just touched on. That it's it's well, it's it's two things. It's it's a function of economic reality and fiscal reality and 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 budgets, but also, yeah, uh, the kids today is tomorrow. <laughs> They're, they are very, very different culturally. Like it's, it really is a, a different generation from those of us getting long in the tooth in terms of, uh, of, of having stuff and the way they approach, um, what, what they prioritize. So uh, I'm, I'm not surprised by this, but I am fascinated as well. Yeah, well, they always say everything new, everything old is new again. And Tamara Cherry, I mean, really, it would seem young people are living the way people lived, like in the 1800s. I mean, they're not using butter butter churns, but again, small, <laughs> smaller footprints. Not living, yet, John. Living in walkable communities. And, Hashtag butter churn is going to be trending now. Oh, I know. <laughs> I always love it whenever somebody shows a rotary phone on uh, Facebook and says, you know, if you know what this is, you're old. I always post a picture of a butter churn. <laughs> okay, what? what I found interesting about this, this story, though, is that they're saying that, you know, you might be able to afford a home in the United States if you don't have a dining room. That is one thing where, A, I think absolutely these houses are being built smaller because it is a cost-saving thing. But young people, they don't need that sort of thing. Like, why do I need to move to a different room to have dinner when we can all fit at the kitchen table anyway? Or why do we need two sets of dishes? We don't need two sets of dishes. They just take up needless space. Let's only use our fancy dishes every day. Preach. There you go. Preach. Uh, a woman was ridiculed for saying that she suffers from time blindness. Apparently, there are two aspects to this. One is she's late for everything. And the other is that she has no measure of time when, say, she's working on a project. She doesn't notice the passage of time. Bob, I'd say that that's just somebody who can't manage themselves. It's not a brain disorder. That's exactly what I thought when I first heard the story. Like my my eyes were audibly rolling. It was it was that big <laughs> a, a reaction. But then then I, I I looked into it, and there is legit science that th this is not a new thing. This has been studied by researchers for quite some time, and they say it's actually a symptom of ADHD. That th this is a legit thing, and so I I, I reconsidered my position, and I I, I say you know. If if it is true, if 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 the person really suffers from this disorder, then there should be consideration. There should be accommodation. But man, oh man, don't make it an easy hot button for people but, as well. Oh, I have <laughs> I have this condition, therefore I can be late for everything. Bob, as somebody who is an undiagnosed ADHD and who all of my siblings are ADHD, like I'm most certainly ADHD, and I suffer with time management, I would say that there are things that you can do to address this. Though, set alarms, make schedules 
individuals get on medication for crying out loud. Like it, the, the whininess of this is what I think is really like uh, quite annoying. Okay, with some degree of irony, I will say we are out of time. <laughs> we can't afford to be late in the radio business. My thanks to Bob Reed and Tamara Cherry. And thanks to you for listening. Remember, Mark Tui is in for Jerry Agar today, and he's got a great show. And Reshmi's going to continue to report in from our backpack giveaway. It's time for the 9 o'clock news.